Hello everybody and welcome into the Outlet Pass Podcast. This is the first episode. I am your host CJ Dieters. This is a podcast that will cover basketball. Um, we'll mostly cover the NBA. We'll cover a little bit of college and a little bit of European overseas basketball as needed. But we'll mostly focus on the NBA. Um, for this first episode we're going to do something that most podcasts will do uh, featuring the NBA. Everybody does a mock draft. So that's what we're going to be doing today. Um, so let's get this started here. Um, the way I'm going to set this up, I'm going to give you the team. Um, I'll give you a little bit of information on the team, give you the pick reasons why I'll give you a player comparison. Um, this comparison, um, it's not to tell you exactly what I think this player is going to be just to kind of give you an idea of what this player is like. What kind of player this team would be getting. Um, again, we'll, we have no idea where these players will go. Um, I've seen mock drafts with guys that I put in my you know top 10. They end up in the 30s. Guys that I kept out of the this first half or this first round. Falling into the second round. Or ended up in the top 10. So who knows. Um, we're just taking a good guess. Um, this episode, I'm going to do it the way I think the teams will do this. Um, later on, I'll make another mock draft, and that one will do more kind of what I think would happen. Um, I'm going to take the place of the GM, make trades, pick how I think they should pick. Um, but for this, I'm going to look at each team, how they've drafted in the past, and how I think they'll draft now based off of that. Um, so with no further ado, the first pick in the in the 20, 2019 NBA draft belongs to the New Orleans Pelicans, and they will they are taking power forward Zion Williamson out of Duke. Now, this is really the only pick in this entire draft that kind of is a gimme. Um, Zion Williamson is one of the most highly anticipated draft picks. Since LeBron James, um, the guy is just an absolute freak. Um, insane athleticism. And when I mean insane, just absolutely insane. The guy is 6'6", 285 pounds. He can jump out of the gym. The guy is amazing. Um, his one season at Duke, he averaged 22 points a game, 9 boards, and shot almost 70% from the field. Um... To be really successful in the NBA, he will need to develop a jump shot. And I believe um, with time he's going to need to um, drop a little bit of the weight off. Playing at 285 is a little heavy for the NBA. Um, if he can get himself back more down to like 265, I think he'll have more luck with health. Um, as far as a player comparison for Zion, there's really not any. The guy, again, like I said, he's a freak. He's a once-in-a-lifetime type of guy. Um, but one that, I, that I've that i seen a lot of people compare him to is Larry Johnson. Um, Larry Johnson used to play power forward for the Hornets. Um, he was 6'7", 230 pounds, so not nearly as big as, as Zion. But played very similar, very aggressive. Gets to the basket as much as possible. Plays really aggressive on defense. Um, 
One thing with the Pelicans, though, is this last offseason, Anthony Davis uh, demanded a, a trade. Um, none was made at the trade deadline. But a lot of people think that he will be traded here at the draft. Um, so be looking for that. Um, possible trade candidates are the Knicks, who have the third pick, and the Lakers, who have the fourth pick. And then the Celtics, who can't make the make a trade until after uh, July 1st um, because of the Rose rule. Um, so be looking for that. Um, but a lot of people think that with new GM David Griffin, the Pelicans are going to try and play Don or play Anthony Davis and Zion Williamson together for half the year. If Anthony still wants out, then they'll let him go. Um, so moving on to the second pick of this year's draft, the Memphis Grizzlies take John Morant out of Murray State. Now, John Morant is an exciting po young point guard. The guy fits perfectly into today's game. He can do just about everything. Um, he does need to up his shooting a little bit. Um... But the you know the guy's really good athlete. He's got a lot of speed. He's got really quick first step. A lot of moves with his dribbling. Um, the big thing with this pick though is the Grizzlies already have Mike Conley. Um, but a lot of people think uh, this last trade deadline, the Grizzlies tried to move on from Mike Conley. They decided not to take any of those those trades, but. I would not be surprised to see them pull off a trade either at the draft or during free agency at some point, um, making John Morant the point guard of the future. Um, John Morant really doesn't have a great comparison either for Zion, or just like Zion. Um, but person I think of is John Wall um, of the six of the Wizards. Um, but John Wall with with a jump shot. Uh, John Wall has de has developed a jump shot over time, but it's it's not anything special. I think John Morantz is, has a chance of being a much better player than John. But play style-wise, that's the player I, th I think of. Moving on to the third pick in the 2019 draft, I have the New York Knicks, which again, remember, this pick could be sent to the Pelicans. Um along with a bunch of other players and probably another pick to get Anthony Davis. But since I'm having all the teams stay with their picks, RJ or the Knicks will be taking, Oh, I already gave it away, but the Knicks will be taking RJ Barrett out of Duke. RJ Barrett, um, has what he describes as the Mamba mentality, which you know, if you follow basketball, that's, Kobe Bryant's saying is, but basically it just means that he's got the, you know, the eye of the tiger, the, you know, he's the one that's going to lead the team. He's, he's the leader. He's the guy that takes the last shot, all that kind of stuff. Um, which the Knicks do need. Um, the Knicks are hoping to strike big in free agency this year, but if they don't, RJ Barrett would be a good player to, to pick up, to just let him take tons of shots, let him run the entire offense. Let him develop as a rookie. Um, 
RJ is six foot seven. He has a pretty good body. He's about 210 pounds. Big bigger guy. Um, this last year at Duke, he averaged 22 points a game, seven and a half rebounds, and four assists. But he did only shoot 31% from three. So that's a, a little bit of something to look out for. Um, hopefully he can bring that up as he gets uh, going in the NBA. Moving on to the fourth pick. This is not this is a pick that I would definitely not be making this high, but there's been rumors that the Lakers who own this pick have already made a a promise to the point guard out of Vanderbilt, Darius Garland. Darius Garland um was only able to play in five games this year for Vanderbilt. When he did play, he was he was a very good player. Um guy can score has not shown that he has the ability to pass the ball. Um, but he, he can, I mean, like I said, the guy can score. He shot almost 48% from three in his five games he played. Um, guy's super, super fast, very shifty. Um, I compare him to kind of to Kemba Walker, um, more Kemba Walker now than when he first came in because Kemba did not have a shot when he first came into the league. Um, this would be a good, a pretty good fit with this Lakers team. It would give, um, LeBron a guy that can shoot, which he does not have, but, um, Darius is a guy though that needs the ball in his hand. And I, I just don't know how well that will work, work with, uh, LeBron. LeBron has said before he wants to play more off ball. He wants to be a more of a spot-up guy, a role, uh, role player. He doesn't want to be the guy. But, you know, when push comes to shove, when they get down to it, um, LeBron takes over. He's He has a hard time of letting other guys run the show, and that's why Kyrie Irving forced his way out. Um, so if that's who they end up taking, that will be an interesting fit there. Moving on to number five. Um... Pick number five, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers taking shooting guard Jarrett Culver out of Texas Tech. Now, this guy is actually one of my favorite um, prospects. The guy is 6'7", about 205 pounds. He can score, he can rebound, he can pass the ball, he can shoot pretty well. He needs to get better at that. But the guy is an insanely good defender. He's going to immediately come into the NBA and be able to guard some of the better twos and threes in the league. Um, which is why I compare him to uh, Jimmy Butler, um, who's now a small forward for the uh, 76ers. But all throughout his career, especially in the beginning, he was known as a defensive stopper. His offensive game has come along. Um, and I think Jarrett, is a better offensive player than Jimmy was at that time. Um, I think this kid could be a future all-star. The thing with this draft is you have your three guys up top, Zion. I mean, Zion is absolutely amazing. Jaw and RJ. Those three guys are the, are who everybody sees as the big stars, guys that could actually be all-stars. There's a few more guys in this draft that I think, have that opportunity but this draft really all the way from like 
four or pick number four to like pick number 40, there are guys on this draft that probably won't ever make an all-star game or be considered the best player on their team, but they all make really good role players and they'll be able to contribute from day one. Um, and Jarrett is definitely one of those, even if he doesn't really fully develop into a star, I think he can immediately come in, help this Cavaliers team, um, that has, uh, Kevin Love still, hopefully he can stay healthy, and Colin Sexton that he drafted this last year, he was actually looking like he could be the real deal, um, I think Jarrett could be a nice compliment to him. The one thing with Jarrett they have to look out for is he does like to play with the ball in his hand quite a bit. Um, so they need to they would need to develop his spot-up shooting a little bit more so Colin Sexton can find him instead of him taking possessions away from Colin Sexton. With the uh, sixth pick in this year's draft, I have the Phoenix Suns taking Kobe White, point guard out of uh, University of North Carolina. Um, I think this guy is a really good fit with the Suns. I think the Suns have set themselves up well to be able to switch on defense with basically any team. They just they they need some continuity with this team. They keep firing. They fired their GM last year, who I thought was doing a pretty decent job. They, fi they keep firing coaches every single year. At some point, they need to just let a coach put in his system and just let it run for a while. Um, you know, uh, Igor Kokoskov was our coach this last year, and I thought he did a pretty decent job. You could see at the end of the year, this team started playing a lot better. Um, but their GM there, James Jones, um, decided to move on from him, and now they've hired Monty Williams. Hopefully he gets more than one year um, because they do have some good talent there. Devin Booker is a really good scorer, um, can do a lot of other things on the offense. Defense he struggles with, but they have good defenders to help him out with that. Mikel Bridges, um, Josh Jackson, um, TJ Warren's a decent defender. Kelly is a good defender. Um, DeAndre Ayton's a really good defender. And if they brought in this Kobe White kid, he's a really good defender. Kobe White is six foot five. He's a little undersized, probably about 180 pounds. So he'll need to put on a little bit of size. But um, he could be a really good point guard for this team. Um, the player I compare him to would be... Um, Kind of a Brandon Ingram from the Lakers. Um, again, long, super skinny, really good with the ball in his hands, decent shooter. Um, he's just going to need a lot of time to develop. But Kobe White is an upgrade over everything that they have at point guard with the Suns. All right, so moving on to... The seventh pick, which belongs to the Bulls. This is a guy that is actually one of my favorite prospects and I think is a future all-star. Um, a lot of people aren't very high on him it's because 
He has kind of a boring game. The guy just does his job and helps his team win. That's that's it. But from a team building um, point of view, that's awesome. That's exactly what you need. Um, so I have the Bulls taking DeAndre Hunter out of uh, Virginia. He's a six foot eight small forward. Um, the classic definition of a three and D wing. Guy plays amazing defense. He shot 44% from three this last year at Virginia. Um, but one of the reasons I have the Bulls taking him here is I think he's a perfect fit with the Lakers. And the Bulls um, are reportedly interested in Lonzo Ball from the Lakers. And I think if they were to trade this seventh pick to the Lakers for Ball, I think the, that DeAndre Hunter would be a perfect fit right next to LeBron um, on the Lakers. Um, but DeAndre Hunter is also a really good fit with this Bulls team. He does a lot of the same stuff that Otto Porter does. Um, you can play him at the three or at the four. Um, actually, probably if you need him to, he could probably play the two. The guy is very versatile. He's exactly what you want in today's NBA. Um, I I kind of compare him to more to like a Trevor Ariza. Um, Trevor Ariza, um, over these last few years, not in his first couple years, Trevor Ariza wasn't very good um, when he first came in. Um, <clears throat> so moving on, um, with the number eight pick in this year's draft, I have the Atlanta Hawks. Um, this is our first of two picks. Um, I have them taking Jackson Hayes out of Texas. Um, there's a lot more exciting guys, um, that other people have put there, but I think Jackson Hayes would be a good fit with this young core that they've got. Um, he's an insanely athletic, six foot eleven, can jump out of the gym, but he's super super raw. Um, can't hardly shoot further than like five feet away from the basket. Um, definitely can't shoot the three. Um, but what he does do, he does well. He is a great right around the basket. Shot about 73% his one year at, at Texas. Um, but he blocks a lot of shots. He rolls to the basket really well. Um, which would be a really good guy to put next to Trey Young. Um, give him a guy that does not need the ball to be effective. That would be huge. Um, for the Hawks. Um, I kind of compare him to another former Texas center, which is Jarrett Allen. Uh, again, super athlete, really good defender. Not much on the offensive end. <clears throat> All right. So with the number nine pick, I have the Washington Wizards taking Rui Hachimura out of Gonzaga. Rui is actually somebody I am very high on. Um, I have yet to see other mock drafts that have him as high as I do. Um, they usually have him more, more in the 14 to like 19 range, but I, I really am high on, on Ruby. I think he could be an awesome player. 
Um, Rui is about six foot eight. He's a really good scorer. He can he's a decent defender, but he can rebound. He shot forty two percent from three his or this last year at Gonzaga. Um, I kind of compare him more to a guy that the Wizards um, had this last year in Jabari Parker, who was actually really successful for them, but who is on a really, really big contract that they can opt out of this summer and not have to pay him. Um, and Rui would be an awesome replacement for him there at a much uh, smaller price tag too. So the second pick of for the Hawks in this draft, the number 10 pick, um, I have the Hawks kind of taking a chance here on a guy in Cam Reddish out of Duke. Um, Cam coming into um, this last season at Duke um, was looked at as one of the best prospects, but he, he just did not show out in his time at Duke. He had flashes here and there where he'd be really good, but just did not show any of the abilities that they, they thought he had when he came in. And a big part of that was playing next to to Zion and to RJ. You know, Zion averaged 22 points. RJ averaged almost 23 points a game. So, especially in the college game, there just wasn't many more points to go around. And when he did get the ball, Cam just did not shoot very efficiently. 33% from three. When you kind of, when he came in, you kind of expected him to be well over 40%. Um, but him going to Atlanta would be a really good fit for him. Because um, Atlanta has committed to doing a long rebuild, which is something teams normally don't do. They, they do, they start doing a rebuild for a year and then they freak out that they're not getting into the playoffs. And so they go and overpay a bunch of guys, and then they end up in NBA purgatory, which is maybe we'll make the playoffs, maybe we won't. And you do that for like 10 straight years, kind of like the Wizards. So I really admire the Hawks for, for tearing the team down and just going like, hey, we're going to wait for these guys to really become stars. And I believe that's the way you, you actually build a winner. When you're not in a market like L.A. or New York and you can't get these massive free agents, you got to build from within. Um, back to Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is six foot nine, um, decent defender. Um, a lot of people, and I'll use this comparison too, but I just I don't think it's fair to him, is Paul George. If Cam becomes everything that they thought he could be when he went to Duke. Um, he could be Paul George. Um, he's got really good length. He's got a good looking shot. It just, he needs to work on it more. Um, he needs to get a lot more comfortable playing with the ball, not in his hands, becoming a spot up shooter, especially if he's playing with a guy like Trey Young. So moving on to the, the, 11th pick in this year's draft the Minnesota Timberwolves take a guy another guy I'm really high on in Brandon Clark Brandon Clark is a power forward out of Gonzaga he is six foot eight probably about 225 230 
He's more of a, a rim runner. Um, a little undersized at the power forward, but he makes up for it by being really athletic. Um, his shot is coming along, but he needs to spend a lot more time working on it. The big thing with Brandon, though, is he's a little bit of an older guy. Um, he's not one of these 19-year-olds. So he. a lot of people think he's basically a finished product. That you can get him a little bit better, but there's really not much upside there. But I believe but with what you're getting from him um, is enough for to justify an 11th pick. Oh, yeah. You know... Once you start getting away from these surefire guys, it's kind of a hit or miss thing. And if, you, and I'd feel a lot more safe taking a guy like Brandon Clark than I do a guy like Cam Reddish. Um, I think he'd fit really well with the Timberwolves right next to a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. Um, he would provide a lot of really good defense next to Carl Anthony Towns. Um, he's a decent scorer. He's a good rebounder. Um, high energy guy and he'd be a lot cheaper than what they were paying Taj Gibson this last year. Um, I kind of compare Brandon Clark to Paul Millsap. Um, and if he is like Paul Millsap, he can develop that shot as he gets older. And especially in his years in Atlanta, Paul Millsap was a very good shooter from three. Um, so if Brandon Clark could become that, then you hit a home run with the 11th pick there. Um, with the 12th pick, I have the Charlotte Hornets kind of taking a chance here um, and taking a project in a guy like Sekou Dumboya from France. Um, Sekou is extremely raw prospect, but he's 6'10", really long, really athletic, and that's about it right now. But if this kid develops, he could be something very special for the Hornets. Um, the Hornets right now are in a position where their best player, Kemba Walker, is a free agent. And they do have the opportunity to bring him back if he wants to come back. They can offer him the Supermax. But thing is, even if Kemba comes back, they're not that good of a team. They have a lot of overblown contracts. They have Bismack Biombo, who's making $17 million this next year. Um, Nicholas Batum, who I think is going to make $25 million this next year. Michael K. Gilchrist and Cody Ziller are making, both making 13 They have really big contracts, and they couldn't even make the playoffs this year. And they're in the East, and it is a lot easier to make the playoffs in the East than it is in the West. Um, so I would expect the Kemba, Kemba to leave unless that extra money is that important to him. I kind of want to see him go to a team where he has an opportunity to try and get a win. To try and, you know, make a big push in the playoffs. Go to the finals. Do all that stuff that he hasn't had the opportunity to do in his career. Um, and for the Hornets, I would start tearing the team down. Try and get... Young prospects, young guys that you can develop, like Seku. Um, Seku's a, a lot like a guy in the Magic that they haven't quite developed yet, but if they do, he'll be a star. And Jonathan Isaac, again, super long, super athletic. That's about it for now. Once you develop him, though, 
is if you develop them, then you'll be greatly rewarded because they're going to be amazing. Um, so moving on to the 13th pick, I have the Miami Heat taking Tyler Hero out of Kentucky. Um, this kid is pure offense, great shooter, amazing free throw shooter. He's got the kid shot 93.5% from free, uh, the free throw line this year. Um, I compare him kind of to J.J. Redick. He's going to have to get a little bit better from three. And, you know, J.J. is just the epitome of a shooter right now. I mean, it took him a long time to develop like that. So don't expect Tyler to be that immediately. But he can be um, kind of J.J. Redick-lite um, for the next couple years while he develops. But... Big reason I have him going to the Heat is the Heat are a lot like the Hornets, where they have tons of big contracts and they can't make the playoffs, or they barely make the playoffs. They need to start building this team up through the draft, making smart picks. I think Tyler Hero is a really smart pick. He's a kid that, even if he doesn't really fully develop, you still have a guy that can fit in your rotation. You always need shooting. You always need a guy that can go out there and knock down a three um, in pressure minutes. He can knock down free throws. Um, so I think he's a good fit with this Miami team while they try and figure out what the heck they're doing with all their money. Um, all right, so on to the last pick of the lottery, which belongs to the Celtics. Um, this is a pick that they got from the Kings, um, which was originally... The Kings sent it to the Sixers, and in the Markel Fultz trade, the Celtics got this pick. Um, so with this pick, I have the Celtics. Because the Celtics are so loaded with talent, I think they can take some chances. And so they take a really big chance here on a guy like Bull Bull. Bull Bull is the son of Manute Bull. He's... Uh, Power forward center from Oregon. He's seven foot two, but he's only two hundred and ten ish pounds. Super super skinny, but the upside is insane. He can handle the ball. He can shoot. He can block shots. He just he just needs a lot of time to develop. And the Celtics are a team that can give him that time. They've got Al Horford already at the center. They can bring Aaron Baines back. They could give Bull multiple years to figure out what the heck he's doing, get bigger, and figure out how the NBA works. I think this would be probably the best place for Bull Bull to go. You don't want him going to a team that needs him right away because um, he'll end up like Darko Milicic where he never develops. And he's out of the NBA super quick. Um, I compare him. He he's got a he's a tough guy to compare to. He's kind of like Kevin Durant, kind of like Kristaps Porzingis, but then at the same time, not at all like those guys. Um, mostly he's just super long, and has good coordination over his body, and he can put the ball in the basket. Um, I don't know if you, 
If you know a better comparison for Bulbul, let me know because I, I have no idea. Um, so now we're moving to the playoff teams. Um, with the 15th pick, I have the um, Detroit Pistons taking Romeo Lankford out of Indiana. Um, Romeo is another guy that was really, really highly ranked coming into the college season out of high school. Um, but he was on an Indiana team where he had to be the guy, and he's just, he's not that type of player. Um, the player I compare him to is Terrence Ross, um, a guy that plays really well off the ball. Um, and when you need him to, like running your second unit, he can be the on-ball guy. He can score against second units. Um, but I wouldn't rely on him as your your big, um, you know, your starting shooting guard. Um, the Pistons, they really, they need help everywhere. Um, the really only for sure guy they've got is Blake Griffin at the power forward. Andre Drummond is a good center, but he doesn't fit today's game very well. Um, Reggie Jackson is a chucker at the point guard position. So you, mostly with this Pistons team, you just got to start getting talent. And Romeo Langford is probably the highest talent guy left. Highest uh, potential. Um, to where if you really develop him well. And Dwayne Casey's a really good coach. He can he could help him develop. Um, then you're getting a really good player. Um, so yeah, that's where the Pistons are at. They need, they just need talent. That's it. Um, so with the 16th pick, I have the Orlando Magic taking Nikhil Alexander Walker out of Virginia Tech. Um. This is a guy I like a lot. Um, I really like these these more combo guard type guys to where a lot of people see it as a negative. Like, oh, is he a shooting guard? Is he a point guard? We don't know. Oh, this is this is awful. And I just see it as, well, he's another guy that can handle the ball. He's another guy that can shoot. He's another guy that can has good length on the defensive end. I, I, I just don't get why people see that as a negative. I mean, other guys that they've they've seen this as a negative with are guys like Russell Westbrook and Donovan Mitchell, both of who are all-star caliber guys. So, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I kind of compare him to a Dion Waiters out of Miami. Um, I don't think Alexander-Walker is going to become anything close to an all-star, but he could be your fifth starter or a sixth man, um, which with the 16th pick in the draft, that's that's good value. Um, the Magic are pretty loaded when it comes to the power forward and center position. They need ball handlers. Now, ideally, they would pick up a point guard here, but there there's really just not any available that you would want to be taking this high. Um, if I were the Magic, I would try and either trade up to get, you know, Kobe White, Darius Garland, 
or I would trade down um, later because there's going to be guys like Carson Edwards um, available that would be um, more worth the value, we'll say. Um, so anyway, moving on to the 17th pick, the Brooklyn Nets um, take a, a project. This guy is, is going to be, if you do it right, he's going to be awesome. If you don't try and develop him, he's never going to pan out to anything. That's Casey Akpala out of Stanford. This is a kid that was a 6'3 guard um, through high school. All of a sudden jumped up 5, maybe even 6 inches to 6'9. And still has those guard skills. Really good handles. Not much of a jump shot. He's got to develop that. Um, it's not... It's not horrible. I mean, he shot 37% from three at Stanford. Um, but who knows how that's going to develop into the NBA three. It's a little longer. Um, but in the NBA, he won't have to be the guy um, like he was at Stanford this year. Um, I compare him kind of to a uh, Tayshaun Prince. Um, if you remember the Detroit Pistons team that won the Won the championship against the super team Lakers with Shaq, Kobe, Carl Malone, Gary Payton. Tayshaun Prince was a huge um, role player for them. Uh, he could hit the corner three really well. He played really good defense. Great athlete. Good ball handler. Um, so if KZ Akpala became that, you put him next to... Um, D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Jared Allen. I think you've got something pretty special there in, in Brooklyn. And, you know, the Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets, um, you got to give their, their uh, GM, Sean Marks, a lot of credit. That guy took a team that had no first-round picks because of the awful trade that Billy King made with the Celtics. And took all these guys that were either late first rounds or teams were dumping them like D'Angelo Russell and turned his team into a, turned these guys into a really good team. They made the playoffs and they're all super young still. Um, so it'll be really interesting to watch this Brooklyn Nets team. They've got a really good coach there and Kenny Atkinson, who's good at developing these young guys. Um, so I think Casey Akpala would fit in really well there. Um, moving on to the 18th pick, I have the Indiana Pacers taking, um, this guy's a project, uh, Nasir Little out of, uh, North Carolina. Um, this is another one of those guys that was super highly ranked out of high school and was buried on the bench in, at North Carolina Played, I think, 18 minutes a game. Um, but all the things that you want um, from a great wing are there. Guy 6'7", 220, big NBA body, long arms, super athletic, decent shot. 
Um, actually, I take that back. Not a very good shot at all. Um, 27% from three. Um, but he's a guy that if you take him, you got to give him some time. Um, but the Pacers are another team that I think can can afford to give somebody time. Um, they've got a really good team. They bring Bogdanovich back. They get themselves a decent point guard. They'll be right back there, top four or five teams in the East again. Um, so they can wait on us here little because this year little I, um, I keep saying his name different, but I'm pretty sure it's Nasir. Nasir Little, um, I'm pretty sure he could be um, a Scottie Pippen-esque player if he develops. That's a huge if because his one year at, at UNC, he had a great coach in Roy Williams, and he did not show much. So, again, he's a shot. But at 18, I think you're kind of willing to take a shot on a guy like that. Um, with the 19th pick, I have the Spurs taking a guy, another guy I'm I'm high on, in P.J. Washington. Um, P.J. is a sophomore at Kentucky. Sorry. And, um, you know, he, he just fits perfectly into the stretch four, every now and then can play the three type guy that, Everybody wants in the NBA right now. Um, it's funny because he actually compares really well with another guy named PJ and PJ Tucker. Um, both of them big bodied, um, good three point shooters, great energy, good defenders, decent rebounders, a little undersized. Um, but I think he'd fit really well on the Spurs next to Lamarcus Aldridge. And as you know, the Spurs are actually in a cool position right now because they've got a yacht a, a yacht a lot of young talent right now that and the Spurs are really good at developing that young talent and so LaMarcus Aldridge DeMar DeRozan that era might not last too long but they could look forward to the era of Yaka Pertle, PJ Washington DeJounte Murray Derek White possibly Lonnie Walker if he develops like this could be a uh, very interesting team um, moving forward. And plus they have the 29th pick later. Um, and they have, a, you know, and I have them taking a guy that I think can all, they can also mold into a really good player going forward. Um, with the 20th pick, um, this is the second of three picks for the Celtics. I have them taking Gogo Batazde um, center out of Georgia, the country, not the not the school, not the state down south. Um Gogo Batazde, um, I kind of compare him to Ennis Cantor that can play defense. Um if you follow the NBA, Ennis Cantor is an insanely good scorer, really good rebounder. Yeah, you know, everything on offense is amazing. The guy just cannot play defense at all. Um, he gets lost in the pick and roll. He gives a lot of effort, but he, he just does not understand how to play defense in the NBA. And I think Goga could be that type of player with um, defensive ability. Guy's got good mobility. He's got 
a decent three-point shot. He's got good post moves. Um, yeah, I think he'd be a good player, another good player for the Celtics to take a chance on. So, so far I have them taking a chance on both Goga Batazde and Bol Bol, which if they develop both of those guys, there's your starting four and five for the next 10 years. Um, so moving on to the 21st pick is the Thunder. Um, the Thunder this year, they have two really good stars in Russell Westbrook and Paul George. I'm not really high on Russell Westbrook. I think he's very overrated. I think he's super inefficient. Um, I really wish he'd hand over the reins to Paul George more often. But he doesn't, so they just have to kind of roll with it. They also have a really good center in Stephen Adams. And they've got good role players in Jeremy Grant and Andre Roberson. But they need shooting. They have to add some shooting in this draft. And that's why I have them take a guy like Keldon Johnson out of Kentucky. Keldon, um, a lot of people thought he had a lot of different skills coming in to Kentucky. But really all he showed was his shooting. But he is a good shooter. Shot 38% from three. Um, and that should carry on um, to the NBA. 6'6", so he's got good size. Um, I think the they could immediately put him in as your starting two right next to Russell. Um, guy I kind of compared him to, just because I didn't have a decent comparison for him, is Kevin Martin, who's a guy that used to actually play for the Thunder. Um, I don't think Keldon has as much shot creation abilities as Kevin, but he has the ability to hit the three. He's long. He's a decent defender. Um, so... You know, I think he'd be a really good fit with this Thunder team. Would give them the help at the three-pointer that they need. Um, a guy, if he falls this far, that would be perfect would be Tyler Hero. But in my draft here, I had him going number 13. Um, so I had them take uh, the guy that at the at the two, I think, is the second-best shooter in this draft in Keldon Johnson. Um Moving on to the last pick of the first round for the Celtics, and I I would be surprised if the Celtics take all three of these picks. Um, I think they're going to find a trade, whether it be trading all those, a couple of those picks to move up, trading all three to move way up, um, trading a couple of them to find a veteran, whatever it may be. I, don't, I just don't think they're going to keep all three of these picks. But... Since this in this draft, I don't have anybody making any trades. Um, I have them taking this pick, and they take Ty Jerome, um, combo guard, out of Virginia. Um, Ty Jerome is a guy that in other mock drafts, I've seen him in the 40s, but I've also seen him around where I have him. Um, just one second. Sorry, I had to get a drink real quick. Um, anyway, I think Ty Jerome is a guy that is underrated by most, but maybe I just have him overrated. But he's a really good shooter, decent ball handler, 
not great in the pick and roll. He's probably going to have to play shooting guard in the NBA. Um, I compare him a lot to like a Landry Shamet type guy um, who, you know, was part of the Tobias Harris trade this last year. And the reason the Clippers wanted him is because he's, he's a really good shooter. And he's 6'5". <coughs> and that's the exact same for Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome is 6'5", decent shooter, or really good shooter, decent defender, decent with the ball in his hands, um, can pass it, can rebound. Um, I think he'd be a, a really good pick for the Celtics to take here, especially with the future of Kyrie Irving and in, in, um, being uncertain. And you don't really know if you want to make Terry Rozier your number one guard. Because everybody keeps saying if Kyrie leaves and we're, well, they'll just give Terry Rozier the reins. And it's like, Terry Rozier is not that great of a point guard either. At least I don't think so. I think he's a good back. He could be a decent backup. I think in spurts you can start him. But everybody keeps acting like he's just been held back by the Celtics and he's ready to become an all-star level point guard. And I, I just don't believe that's true. Um, so I, you know, I think if the Celtics lost Kyrie Irving, maybe you move on from Rozier also and you start uh, Ty Jerome and Marcus Smart or Ty Jerome and Jalen Brown together out there. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so moving on to the 23rd pick, um, this is my team, the Jazz. Um, as you listen more to these podcasts, You'll find out that I'm a little biased towards the Jazz. I try to talk about all the other teams. Um, but I'm going to come back to these guys a lot just because I'm a huge fan of them. Um, anyway, I have the Jazz taking. Um, and hopefully, I would hope that he falls this far. He might go in the late lottery. Might go to the early um, playoff teams like the Pistons, the Magic. Um, but that is Cameron Johnson out of uh, <laughs> sorry I want to say I, I think he's a Kentucky guy I may be wrong on that I've watched the guy I just there's just so many of these guys that I, I'm losing losing track here um, but Cameron Johnson is an amazing shooter, but he's an old guy. He's 23. That's the reason if he shot this well and he was 19, he'd be right up there in the top three or four guys, but he's six foot nine. Um, he shot 45.7% from three this last year. Guy can stroke it and he can hit it. You know, he can dribble up into it. He can catch and shoot. Um, he could come off the screens, he can do a pick and pop, and I think he would be perfect as a four for the Jazz. Um, the Jazz have been really successful these last few years with Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors next to each other, but their, their offense is way better when you put Rudy next to a stretch four, and the stretch fours they put him next to haven't really been that great of shooters. Jay Crowder is a 31% three-point shooter. 
Tabo Cephalosha is not a great three-point shooter. James or Joe Johnson was at the end of his career. Boris Diaw. So if you add a guy like Cameron Johnson to that position, that Jazz offense becomes super dangerous. And that's the reason why a lot of Jazz fans want them going after Tobias Harris in free agency. Um, is it realistic for them to get him? I don't know. Um, one thing I will say is half the NBA is going to be free agents this year. Um, there's going to be a lot of guys available and there's going to be teams that overpay other guys. And so if you're a team that's willing to kind of sit and wait, I think there's some value guys that you can add, um, that in normal free agencies, they would get better offers but there's just not going to be that money available. I think there's going to be a lot of guys this year in free agency that are just left out in the cold um, where in a vacuum, you know, market value, you look at a guy and you go, that guy is worth $8 million a year. Well, in this free agency, when all the money's gone, that $8 million, $10 million guy, probably going to have to take a minimum deal. And I think there's going to be a lot of guys like that um, so in this year's free agency, and we'll cover that a lot more in, in future podcasts. Um, I think there's a lot of guys that are going to slip through the cracks that are going to have to take deals that are, they'll probably take one year deals just so they can get to free agency again next year, but they're going to have to take a lot less money, um, just to have a job. Um, cause you know, you look at the teams that have a lot of cap space, they're going to go out and get these max level guys. Well, if you have $70 million in cap space, you add two max level guys. Like if you're the Knicks and you add KD and Kyrie Irving, you're basically out of money. And that's the same way for a lot of these teams. Or if you get these top level guys, you add one, you're out of money. You add two, you're out of money. Some A lot of these teams... Don't even have cap space at all. Um, so this year's free agency is going to be very interesting to look into. And that's why, again, I would have the Jazz take a guy like Cameron Johnson, um, who I see a lot like um, Mo Harkless, who's a guy that plays for the Blazers, um, but with a shot. Mo Harkless is a great athlete, great defender, can't shoot. Cameron Johnson can shoot. Um, moving on to number 24, I have the Philadelphia 76ers taking Daniel Gafford out of Arkansas. Um, this is a kid that I compare a lot to Al Horford with the Celtics can do a lot of different things, you know, maybe not a master at any one thing, but he, he'll score for you. He'll get rebounds. He can shoot. Um, he can play defense. Pretty de- pretty decent defense. Um, thing with him, though, to look out for is he's a second-year guy, and he really did not show much improvement at all year one to year two. Um, so he the big thing with him is maybe he's tapped out. Maybe he's reached his full potential. Um, that's the reason he falls all the way to 24 here for me. Um Moving on to number 25, I have the Trailblazers um, taking a guy that 
in a lot of mock drafts, I've seen him in uh, late in the second round. Um, but I think he's got a lot of potential, and that's Lewis King out of Oregon. He has 6'8", super long, really good defender, decent shooter, um, that I think really could develop into something special. I think he could be Andre Roberson with a jump shot. And if he's able to do that, um, you know, the Trailblazers are getting an awesome player there. Um, he can play, come in and play the two or the three for them, um, give them a, a much cheaper option when Mo Harkless and Evan Turner reach free agency. With the 26th pick, I have the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers taking Kevin Porter Jr., shooting guard out of out of USC. This guy looks like he could be a really good scorer. He has some problems with suspensions and with injury this year. Um, he's going to take a lot of time to develop, but the Cavs are a team that can give him that time to develop. Um, finishing out these last few picks here, um, the Nets at 27 take Grant Williams out of Tennessee. This is a guy I think is a lot like Sean Marion. Um, 6'7", 240-ish. Can bully you. He can hit the three. He can do everything on offense. You just worry about his ability to play defense, especially since the fact that he's only 6'6", 6'7". Um, at number 28, I have the Golden State Warriors taking a guy in Mat Matisse Thibel. Um, not great on offense, but he is an insanely good defender. Um, I think he's, um, he's a super tall Rajon Rondo, basically without the, you know, the point guard abilities. You're just looking at the defense and you're looking at the, the basketball, um, smarts that this guy has. At number 29, we go back to the Spurs and I have them take another, uh, foreign prospect and Luka Semenik. Or Semanich, something like that. Um, I think this guy could be a lot like Tony Kukoc, where you play him at the three, you play him at the four. He can handle the ball, he can shoot the three. Um, but he's just not great at any one thing. Um, he's going to need time to develop. They may just leave him over in, in Europe for a year or two to develop. Um, so we'll see with him. And lastly, I have the Bucks taking Bruno Fernando. Um, he was a center out of Maryland guy looks really skilled. He just needs to really fine tune his stuff. Um, I think in my next mock draft, he's probably going to be quite a bit higher. I just have to watch more film on these guys. Um, so about out of time guys. I want to keep these right at an hour. Um, the next few podcasts I will do will be um, preseason previews on teams. So we'll kind of look into their cap situation, um, upcoming free agencies, they free agents they have and what they can do in this next year's free agency. Um, uh, thank you for, for listening in. Uh, again, I'm sorry. I'm rushing here at the end. Um, you know, uh, again, this is the outlet pass podcast. I'd encourage you to go rate and review this. Um, help me kind of grow this podcast. I'm looking forward to talking basketball on a daily basis. Um, I'd like to put out at least one episode per week. 
So be looking out for that. And, you know, thank you for listening and stopping by.